the most important thing to remember when networking is that networking is about relationships. I see so many people go off to events and they say, okay, I'm going to get a whole bunch of business cards and I'm going to add them all on LinkedIn. And now I have this great network. But the reality is adding people to your network just because you have their card, it's not, it's not a true relationship. When you say this person I've connected to on LinkedIn is in my network, it's like saying this person who swiped right on me on Tinder is now my significant other. Hey everyone, thanks for tuning in on a little bit of everything with me, and I am your host, Angelica. This is a podcast that talks about a little bit of everything, so sit back and enjoy the show. and welcome back to another episode of a little bit of everything with me today my guest is the author of the book called the career toolkit essential skills for success that no one taught you welcome mark hirschberg to the show how are you doing today i'm doing great thank you so much for having me today well thank you and i'm excited to hear more about this career toolkit but before we even get started tell the listeners a bit about yourself sure My career has taken a couple twists and turns along the way. The primary career I've done has been coming out of MIT back in the 90s with a couple tech degrees and starting down the path of dot-coms and then going on to do different startups throughout my career, helping some Fortune 500s play startup. And I've done all sorts of things from tracking down terrorists and cyber criminals on the dark web to building labor markets to having lots of patents on online advertising, to authentication systems. And that's been my main career. But I've also had a passion about helping people with their professional efficacy. And so in addition to my my day job, I've done a number of different things. Some of it has been volunteer work, whether helping online communities of hundreds of thousands of people and running the job discussion section, or working with groups like Streetwise Partners or Techie Youth where we're helping people start a career and potentially change their lives, to something I started 20 years ago, where at MIT, we had gotten a grant to start a new type of program. It was a little vague. It was open-ended what we could do. And MIT had identified something many other colleges identified as well, which is that there are a number of skills that we are not teaching students, leadership, networking, communications, negotiations. I had independently discovered this as I was hiring people. They were able to answer the technical questions I gave them. I don't just mean software questions, but marketing or finance or whatever their discipline was. But I noticed we we were getting candidates who didn't understand leadership and teamwork and these other skills. And so I found out MIT was putting together this program. I offered to give them some help based on what I had been learning and trying to do at the company I was at. And they said, this is great. Why don't you come help us teach this class? So for the last 20 years, I, along with some other practitioners, have been involved alongside the professors in teaching this to MIT students. 
and I've done similar things in some other places as well. So I've had my, my main career, but I've also had this side career helping people with their professional skills. That's pretty awesome. And I like the fact that you put together a program. And why do you think these um, schools are not teaching leadership negotiations, networking, and um, teamwork? Great question. I addressed this a bit in the appendix. Certainly, we know they have some of these classes, and you can take explicitly a negotiation class or a leadership class, particularly if you're a management major. MBA programs, the required classes. But most of us aren't taught that. And the reason has to do with how education has evolved over time. Education in the modern sense came about basically turn of the century, where this was high school education became mandatory, and it was designed to make you productive in the workplace. Productivity back then meant you're probably going to work some manual labor job, maybe some factory job, you need to know how to write and do basic math. And that's why we have reading, writing, arithmetic, kind of those core skills. We've added into primary education, civics, and a few other things and try to expand people. College, meanwhile, even though universities date back to the 13th century, they also have evolved a lot. And it's really been the 20th century that they became widely accessible and not just to a privileged class. But if you think about what colleges were designed to do, they were saying, we're going to teach you how to be an accountant. And if you were an accountant in the 1950s, you just had to show up and know how to balance books. If you were a marketer in the 1960s, you needed to know how to create a basic marketing campaign. But you were very narrow in your skills and you relied on your boss to tell you what to do. Right? Think about corporate structure mid-century. It's only been in the last roughly 20, 30 years that that corporate hierarchy has really kind of been dismantled. We get flatter structures, we get a smaller ratio of managers to employees. And so we're expecting people to take a lot more initiative in terms of what they're doing and not just be told, sit here, take this paper from your inbox, do something, put it in your outbox. But the schools are generally backwards looking. They're not as forward looking for a number of reasons, just political and inertia. So their systems lag in terms of teaching what we need to do. And it's only when there's pressure, have this pull from corporate America to say, we need these skills that starts to be addressed. And that's certainly what we started doing 20 years ago when we, we got this information from corporate America. I think we're going to see in the educational system an expansion of this type of education going forward, but it's going to take a generation or two to be reflected in our systems. Wow. And that's remarkable because I, I didn't know that university would date back the 1300s, first of all. And I do feel like when I went to college for architectural technology, there was that perception of if you want to become an architect, you have to go to university, but you're not going to learn anything hands-on. You're not going to learn how to um, really what corporate America expects you to do. You're just going to be like, you're going to graduate as a historian because you're going to learn all of that. And then of course, if you change your major, then you will learn a little bit of a hands-on. But when I got into college, it was like, it felt 
like I was actually going to a firm and sitting down with my colleagues and trying to come up with whatever topic it was, whatever uh, design we had to come up with and really work together as a team. And there is that connection that we do miss that misconnection we do miss between university and college. And, you know, a lot of people do have their own saying of, well, university is better because there's that, you get that, uh, that uh, master's or that you get to branch off into different uh, majors, but at a college level, you actually get to feel of what it's like to be in a corporate America. So I, there was things that you were just mentioning that I didn't even know about. <laughs> the university system. I actually, took a few classes, I was fortunate to randomly stumble upon them on the history of science, technology, and society. Mm -hmm. And the way the university system developed, you had these libraries, you had these large collections of books, because of course, going back almost a thousand years, that was the only source of information, no internet, no radio. And if you wanted to gain, we'll call it higher learning, not in the modern sense, but really learn more about a subject, you had to go to one of these libraries. And so the universities built around the libraries, but if you had the resources to go and spend years in these libraries, because of course you weren't working as a farmer or artisan, you had money to support yourself and go spend your days reading and not working, you were in this privileged class. So you could focus just on learning a particular discipline, just on focusing there. And that's what evolved where you got this narrow focus. If you think about our own education, as we go from our primary and secondary education, where you get this broad set of skills to our university education, where they'll tell you there's some general things. Everyone has to take one math, one English, one history, maybe a foreign language, just to broaden you a bit, but then you get into your major. And then as you go further to the graduate level, you get even deeper into a field. And so our education, the further you go, the more specialized you become. But I think that is, while necessary, misses out on some opportunities for two reasons. First, I think having cross-disciplinary skills makes us more effective. Having more concepts in our head is more powerful. But then you have these fundamental skills. And just as no matter what you do, you need to learn how to read and write and do math these basic skills of teamwork and communications, building a network, knowing how to manage your manager and work within the corporate culture, these are going to help you be successful no matter what you do. And in fact, if you think about where we invest our time, most of us within our discipline focus on going deeper. So by training, I'm a software engineer and I have to continually learn new technologies, new software. And that's certainly important because I need to keep up with things. But having done this now for many years, if I spend another 30 hours learning a new technology, how much better does that make me? How much more proficient does it make me as a candidate or employee? On the other hand, if I was a terrible public speaker and I invested those 30 hours, not being the world's best, but just getting better. So now I can present effectively in front of the group. Maybe I can go present at conferences. The impact of those 30 hours being slightly stronger in this area now amplifies my core skills in software in other cases, accounting or sales amplifies those. So I am more effective overall and can have a greater impact. 
I definitely agree. I really do. And this is so important because even I feel like I know with my generation, which I'm considered as a millennial, um, they're very vocal. They're very, um, it's, if they can't work with somebody, they won't work with that person. And in the real world, you kind of have to deal with working with different people and you have to adjust and adapt to that. So, you know, it's so important to have teamwork and that communication, because really that's the reality. Every job you go to, there's going to be people that you may not get along with. And there's people that you choose really don't want to work with them, but you need to work together to get things done. And depending on your work, you have to really work together side by side and get that project or assignment completed. Absolutely. You don't have to be the world's best teammate. You don't have to be perfect in all this, but when you are sufficiently ineffective, you close off opportunities. If there's 10% of the world you can't work with, well, 10% of the opportunities have disappeared. But if you can just get to a basic level, and basic is actually, it's not as far as we think. I'm gonna share with you in a moment a great parable. If we can just get to this basic level, then all of a sudden we open up opportunities and we stand out. So let me me share what parable that I often use in my talks. Mm -hmm. It's a wonderful one I learned from a professor I used to work with. There are two campers off in the woods. And late one night, a bear comes into the campsite, waking up one of the campers. It quickly wakes up the second camper, wakes his friend and says, hey, there's a bear, we've gotta get out of here. So the second camper begins to put on his sneakers. The first guy says, what are you doing? Don't waste time. Even with sneakers, you can't outrun a bear. And the second guy says, yeah, but I don't need to outrun the bear. I just need to outrun you. For all of our skills, we don't have to be the world's best. We just have to be good enough that we stand out. And you don't even need to outrun someone in everything. You don't have to outrun them in communication, in your network, in your teamwork, in your knowledge of marketing. You just have to be strong enough in one area and then have the other support you so that overall you can outrun the next candidate, your coworker, whoever's applying for the job or promotion. That's all you need to do. I like that example that you've given me about the bear and the campers. <laughs> it's, is... it's a classic one in business. It's a classic <laughs> parable. I really like that one. I really do. Now the book, The Career Toolkit, Essential Skills for Success That No One Has Taught You. Now, how did you are you how did you divide this book for us to really dive into it? I broke it up into three different sections. There's 10 chapters and three sections. The first section focuses on office skills and job, kind of your job itself. So chapter one is creating a career plan. I've seen lots of people who have said, I really want to get that manager position. I really want to be VP in 10 years. I really want X, but they don't quite know how to get there. And I've seen them struggle. And this, this is where I feel bad. I love seeing people achieve their goals. I love seeing people do what they're capable of. But some people just don't, don't see how. So I talk about how you can create a plan to figure out what it is you want to do. And you don't have to have that answer. Some people say, I'm not sure. I'm thinking maybe this. So there are questions to help you think about where you want to go. 
and then how you can create a plan that you revise as you go, how you get input on and help along the way to create a plan to get you where you wanna go. That's chapter one, career. Chapter two is on working effectively, managing your manager, corporate culture, engaging with your, your teammates and learning about the company as a whole to be more effective. And then chapter three is on interviewing. Now interviewing, I only touch a little on how to interview as a candidate because I know most of us have seen that material time and time again. We get all the time, I know you know how to find it. Almost no one gets training on how to actually hire someone else. And if you become a manager, or even many of us who aren't, we're part of hiring teams and we have to interview other people. And if you don't have a clear sense of what to do and how to do it, you kind of stumble around and you don't hire as effectively. It's unfortunate how few people know how to hire when it's such an important task to picking your teammates. So that's the first three sections, the first three chapters in section one. Wow. Section two, section two is on leadership and management. And I break these into separate chapters. Leadership gets confused with management, gets blurred, but I really get to the fundamentals. And this book is about the fundamentals, right? You can read entire books on any one of these topics, but I get down to where the base skills based on having taught this for two decades. So leadership, what is it? Management, I even break down into the people side of management and the process side of management. And then the third section, core skills, interpersonal skills, they are communications, networking, negotiations, and ethics. I really like this. I'm actually on your website. Guys, you got to head over to the careertoolkitbook.com and I'm reading how you've laid everything out. And I do have to bring up a point that you mentioned about hiring. When I first became a manager and I had to hire, well, first of all, I had to let go somebody and then I had to hire somebody else. And the worst part was, it's true. They don't really teach you. They given me a piece of paper that was kind of like a script and it tells you what to say in that moment. And it was so unauthentic and I felt so extremely bad because I think I just started the job and then two weeks later, we had to let somebody go. And I was just like, this is crazy. All of a sudden you're calling me 30 minutes beforehand because we have to let somebody go at the location that I was at. And then I had to start a hiring spree, which you had to kind of like pretty much say, uh, how could I say this? Like go on Google and see who to hire and how to hire somebody. It's pretty <laughs> crazy. It's, it's really unfortunate. And I went through the same thing early on where my very first interview on the other side, my boss just said, here's a candidate, here's his resume, go talk to him. thought, um, okay, I, I know some questions people have asked me, I guess I'll ask him that stuff, but I didn't have any sense from what questions I should ask to even what should I evaluate this person on. And sure, to a first order, are they smart? Can I work with them? Do they understand whatever the skill they're being hired for is? But it's going beyond that. How do you know if this is someone you can work with versus someone who, yeah, they seem like a fun person. Too many people do the, yeah, this is someone I could get a beer with. But the problem is you don't necessarily find the best person. 
we also wind up having bias in our hiring. And I'm sure many of your listeners have, have heard many talks on why this is bad. And so by creating a more formal plan for who we want to hire and how we're going to assess it, we can hire more efficiently and effectively. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, I as I'm going through this, especially your table of contents, the way you broke everything down, I'm just like, why didn't I have this beforehand? Why wasn't I given these tools beforehand? Because you, the way you break it down, it's literally like the steps that you would normally have to take, but also these are things that are so essential in your career, especially under leadership and management and not just leadership and management, but even more, even you could take these skills into your personal life and how to become a leader and how to just motivate others, how to really work as a team. It's just everything. And I'm so impressed and, and I'm like, wow, where was this book years ago? <laughs> Yeah, this is what I say to my students when I go and teach the class. I tell them the reason I'm here teaching this class is because no one taught me and I had to learn this stuff the hard way. And most of us have, but hopefully we can help the next generation not stumble as much as we did and learn much more, much more efficiently. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. And I can just look back at my school days. Yeah, we did obviously learn a lot about teamwork, because it's a big thing in the career that I picked, but also someone's got to be a leader and someone's got to work together, but we don't know everything else about it because we're so accustomed to, I feel like we're kind of sticking to what we know and what we need to know. And that's it you know, forget about everything else. Um, forget about the basics, forget about the other stuff where you're just here. This is a project that you're being assigned to. This is what you got to do. And then that's it. You got to get it done uh, for this time and this date. And that's it. And I, uh, these skills were such, so essential. Even I did have a retail career and I'm looking at this like, wow, I wish I had this book back in the day because then I would have changed things through my path. But of course, things happen for a reason, right? (laughs) (laughs) Yes, they do. And, you know, to a point you brought up earlier, we think of these as professional skills, as things in our workplace. But you mentioned quite correctly, they apply to our lives as well. And both we can take these skills, communication, how we're communicating with our friends, with our significant other with our bowling group or whoever it is we're engaged with or negotiating, which isn't just sliding a piece of paper across the table with a number, but negotiating things with our friends and negotiating the vacation that you're trying to do with another family. Mm -hmm. That's a negotiation. So we can take these professional skills and apply it to our personal life. But also when we're trying to develop these skills, once you understand what the skills are, not once you're an expert, but just have an understanding, then you start to recognize areas that you can apply it in your personal life and use that to develop these skills so you can bring them back to your career and be more successful in your job. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. One of your chapters, chapter eight, networking. I feel like this is such a huge thing where I did not take advantage of throughout my school years because of confidence, because of maybe I'm not doing well in my courses. Uh, Maybe they're not going to look at me as seriously because 
I just, you know, I just can't talk to people. Now, what are little tips for anybody to start networking? Because it is hard for a lot of people. And I know it was hard for myself. And it's a constant, I'm always constantly trying to push my, my boundaries and kind of just, I need to just get out there and talk to strangers. And of course, starting a podcast was kind of the biggest boost of confidence because now I'm able to talk to anybody and it's been amazing. But what can people do to break out and get into networking? I very much relate to what you went through. I'm also a shy introvert person by nature. Mm -hmm. And when I was in college, I blew so many opportunities. I remember my thesis advisor walked me over to the office of Tim Brennersley, the guy who invented the World Wide Web, walked me to his office and said, this is my graduate student, Mark. Here's his master's thesis, really interesting topic. You should take a look. And here I am in the office talking to a basic legend in the internet. And I really didn't know how to capitalize on it. We chatted for a few minutes and I walked away and never saw him again. And yet that was this amazing connection, which had I had I built that relationship throughout my career. So I, I get what you're going through. Now let's get to what are, some, what are some tips. The most important thing to remember when networking is that networking is about relationships. I see so many people go off to events and they say, okay, I'm gonna get a whole bunch of business cards and I'm gonna add them all on LinkedIn. And now I have this great network. But the reality is adding people to your network just because you have their card, it's not, it's not a true relationship. When you say this person I've connected to on LinkedIn is in my network, it's like saying this person who swiped right on me on Tinder is now my significant other. Just because you had that, that one click doesn't mean you have a relationship. A relationship it's something we all know about because we have our friends, we have our family, we have people we can turn to. And the relationships that matter are relationships you can call on. Now, as I'm going and promoting this book, I tried reaching out to a few people in traditional media and I went to friends of mine and said, oh, you know this reporter, can you do me a favor and forward an email to this person? And what I would get sometimes is oh, you know what? I met that person 10 years ago, really don't know her. Um, yeah, sorry, like they probably won't know who I am even if I forward your email. So they're connected on LinkedIn, but is that really helpful to that person or that person's network, in this case, me? Not really. But there are people where we very much can say, yes, of course, I'm happy to forward this on. And we think about this in terms of our jobs. We think about okay, I, I want to get my resume in the door. So depending on what you're doing and depending on the relationship, that can mean different things. The, the most basic way is, okay, I'll pass your relationship along to this person. And that doesn't take this deep relationship. It doesn't take someone you've known for years and deeply trusts you. It just, it gets your resume in there and gets glanced at. On the other hand, if it's someone who knows you better, they might say, yes, happy to pass you along. I think you'd be great. And they say to the hiring manager, here's my friend's resume. She would be fantastic. All of a sudden, you've gone from being a resume in the pile to a guaranteed interview. 
And that's what you want in your relationships. You don't just want, I'm connected to this person, but that this person can provide some value, whether it's an introduction or opening doors or taking your call or spending time helping you out. That's where relationships are. So as you think about networking, don't worry about trying to meet everyone you can. Don't worry about, it's a room of 500 people. How am I going to meet them? It's how do I form a relationship with one person? How do I just have a conversation and see if it goes from there? And not everyone you meet needs to wind up in your network. Exactly. And I feel, I I completely agree because even I went to my first networking event in college, it was like, take all the business cards, exactly what you said, and then just get onto my LinkedIn and then just start adding these people. But then what do you do with them? Like, how do you start that conversation? How do you just maintain that relationship? And I'm glad that your book covers this because I feel like now it's, this is the time, especially that the world is going through and we're all going through with it. This is a time to continue to build those relationships. And it's crazy with podcasting. I have more people becoming available and they need, Hey, I want to be on your show or, Hey, how's it going? It's been a while since we recorded. I just want to check in on you. And it really makes a huge difference when there is this time right now that we're living in to utilize it and continue to network with other people. Cause I find everyone's kind of like at home, either working from home or trying to figure out what to do, trying to find a hobby and, you know, people that are looking for a job can use that opportunity and say, Hey, what's going on? I, I want to hear from you. What have you been up to? You've hit the key insight. I speak to so many people who lament, oh, this is a terrible time for networking. You know, our networks are all on hold. And they have that mentality of, well, I can't go and collect business cards. But from the perspective of true networking, of relationship building, this is in some ways a godsend. Now, COVID's obviously horrible. We all wish it didn't happen, but here we are in it. And so not only do people have more time, instead of spending 30, 40 minutes on our morning commutes, you can say, I'm going to do a 15 minute coffee with a different person each morning. And this helps me reach out and reconnect with people I haven't talked about. I'll just tell them, Hey friends, like it's been a while. I'm doing these morning coffees. Love to catch up with you. How about next Wednesday for 20 minutes before we start our day. But also when we do networking traditionally, it tends to be face to face. It tends to be, hey, let's go meet for coffee, which tends to limit you to people who are physically within driving distance, who are in your city. It was rare going back a year ago to say, hey, listen, I'm in New York, you're in London, we should catch up, let's go plan a video chat to catch up. Like, yeah, that's, that's weird, who does that? But now you can build these relationships where you're not constrained by geography. And it's totally normal to say, let's do it by video. So use this opportunity while we have it. Hopefully it will end soon. But before it does, make the most of this time and build relationships, especially with people who are not geographically accessible. Because once we're out of the house, once COVID's over, all of us are going to need a big break from Zoom. We're all going to want to just see people in person, the people who you can only see by video. Yeah, I agree. And I always push it because I do run a podcast community and a lot of them were kind of like, oh my gosh, this, this hit, like, what are we going to do? And I just said, don't focus on the numbers, 
focus on the content and your content will continue to grow. That one person listens and then it becomes a ripple effect and a ripple effect. It does take time and patience. And it's like, get to know your future guests. Start creating that contact list. There are so many websites now that you can just go on and book people. And I kept saying, you got to use that time. And you know what's crazy? I've, I got to be honest. When this whole thing started back in March, I said, oh, I'm finally going to get like a, a little bit of time off. And I was so excited because I said, now I can work on my network. I can work on, you know, getting on LinkedIn and seeing the people who I've, you know, said I was going to keep in touch and it's been such a long time. And this is my opportunity to kind of send little messages or voice notes here and there. And then I had to keep working and I had to adapt the fact that, yes, I'm still working. I'm thankful that I have a job, but also how do I take advantage of these virtual networking events? I think I did about five Zoom calls. There were some of them were three hours long, talking about business, getting to know the community. It was just random topics. And I'm so thankful that I did that because the amount of people that I got to learn, people who are doing different businesses, people that were trying to just learn how to start something new or develop a skill that they want to develop. I felt like, wow, if only I had that time off, I could be doing more. But of course, you have to adapt to the situation. And I was so grateful that I really pushed myself and decided to get on these calls and just take advantage. I was just lucky that I didn't have to go anywhere because usually I'm, I have such an extremely long day at work. I come home, you know, get dressed and then end up going to these networking events and you're kind of in a rush and then your day's gone. Now it's just, I come home, I freshen up and I just go onto my computer, eat at the same time, have my coffee and learn and really take advantage of these opportunities. And people just need to see the opportunities that were given even during these times. And you've brought up another key point to networking. When I network, I think about karmically. I think about how can I help the other person? So many people focus on networking only when they need something, most often a job. Right? They think, okay, I need a job. Let me go network. Let me go meet a bunch of strangers. And every one of them, the first thing that I'm going to do is basically say, can you help find me a job? Might not be the first thing out of your mouth, but that's your intention when meeting them. So you meet a bunch of strangers to get something from them. That's not a great way to start a relationship. On the other hand, if you go and say, how can I help other people? This is a mentality you want when you're building relationships, when you're trying to create your network. How can I help other people? And what you had mentioned is your work helping other people, helping to, to do some teaching. It's a great way to help others. All of us have something that we know or can do that someone else wants to learn or needs help with. And if you can think about helping other people, it can lead to opportunities. Going back to how we started, it was because I heard MIT was starting this program and I said, hey, do, do you need help? It's something I've been looking at recently. And they said, yes, please help us. We're understaffed. And that led to them saying, why don't you come teach? They weren't looking for people like me to teach. I was just volunteering my time to help put the content together. And they thought, you know, given what you're doing, you'd be helpful. That led to all the teaching and that led to me focusing 
I think spending more time over the years on this and then ultimately leading to the book. None of this was anticipated. I just wanted to help out because I like helping other people. And so when you go and help out in a karmic way, it will come back to you. Yeah, again, I got to plug in the book because honestly, this is something I wish I literally had when I was done high school because this would have made... I just recently gained confidence in myself to talk to strangers. Like it's just these opportunities when you, how you created this book, it's like, wow, I should have had this when I graduated high school. Once again, the book is called the career toolkits, essential skills for success that no one taught you because clearly I was not taught this. <laughs> and everything is going to be in the show notes and the website is the career tool kitbook.com. Wow. I'm really loving this information and this book because really it's like you really make it so clear of even, even looking at the table of contents, like chapter seven communication, what is it? The meaning, the models, the shared understanding, thinking modes, public speaking, crafting your image and a summary in your next steps. Like this is stuff that we need in our day-to-day lives. The book itself is written. Each chapter has the summary and next steps. So you can take it. So it's actionable. It's not just, well, that's a good idea, but here are specific things you can do to begin to develop yourself in this area. There's also the companion app. This is a free app. And you can get it in the Google store or the Apple store, or just go right to the website, thecareertoolkitbook.com, go to the app, and you can see the links to download. It doesn't take any information from you. We don't, we don't advertise. It's all free. But it contains a lot of the tips so you can get a daily reminder. And you can use if you're reading the book and saying, well, I'm trying to work on building my network. So you just set it to chapter seven and you just get, excuse me, chapter eight and you just get tips from chapter eight, or you can have it for the whole book. Or if you're not sure if you want to get the book yet, just download the app and you'll get a tip. It pops up every day unless you choose to turn it off. And so it can help reinforce these lessons. It's also useful if, for example, you're about to go to a networking event saying, oh, um, you know what? I'm walking in the door in five minutes and I can't remember what were all those things. You can open the app and you can swipe through the tips and get a quick crash course refresher to help you be more effective at that particular event or the interview or before you're engaged in leadership or whatever the topic is. Wow, that is freaking awesome. I love that. And I'm just blown away. It's like where I'm being serious. (laughs) Where was this thing uh, when I graduated high school? Because this would have been so awesome. And I do love it how you really explain what each topic of that chapter is and the summary and the next steps because that's so important you even talk about business cards and how to talk to strangers which a lot of us are not are able to and like i said again like i just gained this confidence about two years ago when i started podcasting and it's just you know you develop you evolve and the way it's way you talk to people changes and you know what you learn from my guests is definitely something that i i take with me because everyone's been so inspiring and yourself as well for creating this and being able to put it out there for students and for anybody really because this is amazing 
Thank you. Yeah, it comes from having taught this for two decades now. I've had this great laboratory where I've gotten feedback on what works, what's the most effective way to teach this, what resonates, what students come back to me about and say, wow, that was really important, or that was important, but I didn't understand why. So now I've learned, okay, how to connect the dot and make the why. But these are really time-tested skills uh, that I believe, uh, based on our experience, will help everyone. Yeah, I definitely agree. And especially these tips through the app. I'm going to download the app. I'm going to get the book. But this is amazing. And once again, guys, head over to the careertoolkit.com, purchase the book, get the, the app. careertoolkitbook.com. There we go. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> it will be in the show notes for you guys. But oh my gosh, this has been amazing. And I really thank you for creating this because really, Again, and I'm going to repeat myself again, this is something that everyone could take advantage of no matter what stage in life, even if you're switching careers, these are essential skills to improve for your next step and your next career and your next goal. Like this is so important. Thank you so much for having me on the show and to your listeners for giving me time. Thank you, Mark. And Mark, besides the website, where else can the listeners find you? The website is the main way to find me. We are launching the, uh, the blogs on the website very shortly, and the social media is going live in December. And so you can follow me on Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook, or Instagram. If you go to the media page, you can find the links to all of those, and you're welcome to follow me there. Perfect. Again, to all the listeners, everything's going to be in the show notes. Thank you so much again, Mark. This has been fantastic. And I'm like, I need to dive in more into this. <laughs> it's been a pleasure. Well, to all my listeners out there, thank you for tuning in on another episode of A Little Bit of Everything with me. And that's all we have for now. I'm Anthony. And I'm Jessica with the Beautiful Feet Podcast. Hey, it's your boy, Bromar, host of The Bromar Show. Hello, everyone. It's the Coupon Queen Pen. From the CQP Moments Podcast. What's up, everybody? This is your boy Ken, aka the gentleman of the Pajaman Lifestyle Podcast. Hi, this is Stephanie Valente, your local massage therapist. And, and you're you listening, are to you listening to, to a, a little, little bit of everything, everything with Angelica. Angelica. That's it for now. And thank you for tuning in on another episode of a little bit of everything with me. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Just don't forget to rate review and subscribe on the podcast platform that you're listening to.